Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. My name is Dylan. I'm Sierra. I'm Rich. And today we're going to be talking about Stephen King. It's going to be our first Stephen King episode. The first uh, of many. Yeah, I'm sure of many. And today we're going to be talking about The Shining, Pet Cemetery, and Rose Red. We need like a Mortal Kombat so, announcer to be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so before we get into talking about the movies, I do want to bring up the... It trailer that was released earlier this week just oh we should we should save that for last man I don't know I, nice. I, I don't know I'm I'm, I'm I'm I want to talk about it so bad <laughs> so, <laughs> all right all right fine fine yeah 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 all right we'll, we'll do, let's talk about it all right so complete coincidence that it was released this week when we were doing our Stephen King episode um we were doing Stephen King because I wanted to for my birthday yeah. Uh, <laughs> The impressions from the trailer, I think we're all in agreement that it looks fucking amazing. I don't want to say amazing, but it looks decent. It looks like I, it might do the, the original justice. After I watched the trailer, I had to change my underwear. <laughs> it looks so good, yeah. And I watched like a... Is a, it set in the 80s instead of the 50s? Yeah, it's set in the 80s and See, it's... See, I don't... That, that I just... Mm. And it's going to be uh, the... Where the original miniseries, the first half was set in the 50s, and then the second half was set in the 80s. This one, the entire movie's gonna take place in the 80s. Really? Uh, they wanna well, do, like, a second part? And, they wanna do a like, second of part. of those children, adults? Yeah, but so they wanna see how this movie does, which I'm sure it's gonna do well. It's gonna I'm be sure. Stranger Things. It's not gonna be Stranger Things. It's gonna be same style. Because it's in the 80s? Yep. No, it's not. <laughs> well, they, they obviously know this movie is going to do really well, especially Stephen King himself backing it. Like, I remember hearing everybody talking about, like, oh, we're going to boycott this movie and not go see it. And then Stephen King saw the whole film and was like, pretty much, you guys need to chill out. Like, don't worry. It's going to be great. Like, It surprises me, too, because... They've said straight out that this movie is going to follow the book a lot more than the original miniseries did. And mm-hmm. seeing the trailer now, like, I've seen a comparison where they put the original movie yeah. side by side with the new trailer. And it's, like, almost scene from scene exactly the same. Yeah, I just really like... the See, the, th- the thing with it is it's, it's such a special movie to me in my heart. And it's, like, everything about it... The, the time, the era, makes it so such an interesting movie, and, and it just really disappoints me that they chose to do the 80s. I'm guessing why they did the 80s was because it's, like, 30 years apart, and the second yeah. part was supposed to take place in present day from when... That's a, yeah, but that's the thing is, like, I understand that theory, and that would make more sense if they were different kids. But they're they, playing the they same are. characters that they were in the original movie. I, I guess, but, I mean, Sierra, have you read the book? It? No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, dude, just, I'm looking you know, at that book right now. That thing's the size of my head. And just an than FYI, at the end of the movie or at the end of the book, shit gets really weird. Isn't there like a child orgy? Well, yeah, it was like they all had to face their fears. And since the one girl's father molested her, like she yes. had apparently she had to have sex with like all of her friends down in the sewer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah shit got weird. Strange. So hopefully this movie doesn't follow the book, the book exactly. exactly to the T. No, okay, so from what I've it'll seen... It'll probably be the first half of the book. From what I've seen, um, the guy who was directing it originally, who was also the guy who directed the first season of True Detective, um, he backed out of the project due to creative differences, and from my understanding, the reasoning behind it was he wanted to include that scene 
and they basically told him like absolutely not we can't put that in the movie and yeah like why uh, i don't understand how like in this day of age like how you would be able to incorporate anything like that into a movie and not have it like thrown out of theaters yeah I, that's that's my thing with i don't it. even and, know how you would film yeah something like well, that because like yeah. when you film scenes like that with adults it's like they understand they know what what's going on they haven't understood like you can't do that, you know? Yeah. Okay, That's well, any, anybody who's watched who's like watched Cinemax late at night and then like <laughs> accidentally turned on like one of those softcore Cinemax movies. Accidentally, Rich. Accidentally. <laughs> we're, we're, li- we're living in the age of, you know, technology. I, I you know, I'm not going to watch some softcore like, you know, thing on TV if I want to watch something like that. <laughs> but but we all know how awful those movies are and for like to be put in a in a remake of an amazing movie, except instead of adults, you're gonna have children doing like a uh, softcore Skinamax scene. It's it, it it's just not a good idea. No. That guy that guy who left the project because that was the creative difference is just a dumbass in my <laughs> opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to check it out overall. I'm keeping my hopes down for it because I don't want to get my hopes up. I love See, the original. I, will you will you admit though that the trailer it does the look trailer good. looks interesting. I'm not a fan of the '80s as a decade. So. I also I hate the. Uh, I really hate the crowd of people. And if you're one of these people, please please stop. The people that are like, I'm not watching this movie because nobody's going to top Tim Curry's Pennywise. Nobody's trying to top Tim Curry's Pennywise. Nobody's going to. I agree with you, but there's no reason not to watch the movie. Like that's the guy, why I didn't they, watch the Rocky Horror remake. Yeah. They, they they explained they explained though that they're not trying to go the same way Tim Curry did. Like nobody can ever, you know, stand up to that. Like the, his role was so impeccable, but they're going a whole different way. Like this new it is going to be very sinister. Is going to be very, uh, I think, more deadly. Like it not he's not going to be as playful as the Tim Curry. Uh, version of Pennywise. Yeah, without going into too big of a it talk, because I do want to do it eventually on the show, but I really hope, and it's my only problem with the original, and it's the spider it killed it. Yeah, the giant spider at the end of the movie. I like. And that. then they just like throw the piece of silver in it, and it like they first off, this is battery acid, you slime. Okay. <laughs> They shoot him with an inhaler, and then he runs away, and then he becomes a spider, and then they use a slingshot to shoot Silver mm. yeah, that okay. Bev took from her house. I got it, but I, I, that part just ruined the whole movie for me. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I mean, <sighs> I, I don't know. I think the best part is when the adults roll into town, and Billy gets to the graveyard, and he sees... Uh, Pennywise digging the graves, and there's like five graves, but one's like fresh, and he's like, "You can pick any grave you want, just not that one." I love that part. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I I could kind of see them sw- trying to swing something like, you know, when they were kids, they had the inhaler. When they were adults, they were slingshotting the silver at them. Um, trying to swing like since they didn't actually kill him, maybe this is like a, um. You know, you said this is in the 80s. Maybe it's kind of like 
they're trying to tie it in somehow to the original one. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to judge it too much. We've only had a trailer and a couple images released, but I'm just... And we have to wait until September. <laughs> but just going ah. off of the trailer, I'm excited for it. And I'm usually not a huge fan of remakes, but I I'm, have high hopes for this one. It's just, it's yeah. just so hard when they remake a movie you like so much. Yeah. It's like uh, Evil Dead. I, Remember how good it looked? And then we saw it, and we were like, what the fuck? Hey, I, I liked the Evil Dead remake. I didn't feel like it was Evil Dead. That was uh, my problem with oh. it. It wasn't like what the Evil Dead... Like, that's, I'm just that. not, I, I just don't believe in remakes. Like, Why would you want to see a movie that you've already seen? Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street remake? I feel like I we have to We don't talk about up. that. We've brought this up so many times. We what don't talk talking, about it. Uh, every episode, about man. I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know about this movie. All right, uh, let's get on with The Shining. Okay. All right, The Shining. All right. Full credits. <laughs> the Shining was released in 1980 and directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd. And it Is followed- that the kid? Yes. His name in the movie was Danny, wasn't it? Yeah, and Jack's name in the movie is Jack. Was that easier for the kid, you think? Well, to, like, respond to his own name? I guess, but they, it's based on the book, so he, it's probably just a coincidence. No, but, they, uh, they picked that kid for that reason. <laughs> the movie follows a family, uh, the father, Jack Torrance, he's a writer, and they agree to look over, be a caretaker at the Overlook Hotel for the winter, and he plans to work on his new book, while they're at the hotel and weird shit starts going down uh the old caretaker mr grady starts telling jack he needs to take care of his family kill his family and uh he tries to he tries to (laughs) basic uh basic outline of the movie basic outline uh missed the whole aspect of the kid somehow having psychic yes. powers. Yes, the kid has psychic yes. powers called The Shining. Mm. Which ah. apparently also relates to a lot of other Stephen King books. Yeah. Uh, there's a theory that um, in almost every book there's somebody who has The Shining. But that, uh, yeah. it all pops up in like different places and everything like that. But I, I really like it when authors and like pe- directors kind of tie in little things like that that kind of mm-hmm. kind of makes like almost like a Quentin Tarantino like universe you know what i mean little yeah. easter eggs yeah exactly but, but i mean Stephen King himself wasn't a fan of the movie um he felt like it didn't do the book justice and his biggest complaint with it was in the book the house is or the hotel is supposed to be the main character and that's how he felt about it and he felt like it didn't focus on that and the movie actually got pretty bad reviews uh when it was released but it's got such a cult following and like it's gone down in history as one of like the greatest horror movies released so is it up there with the exorcist yes yeah it's probably top five probably i think it's like number nine or something something long but um top 10 sorry dylan (laughs) Let's get technical over here. <laughs> yeah. But, um, now, Stanley Kubrick made it, and he's, like, a legendary filmmaker um, and very uh, critical of his own work. He often reshoots stuff a lot of times, so this movie went through a lot of reshoots. Um, 
some that were a lot more time-consuming. Weren't you saying others. that it took them a year to get that scene where the blood comes out of the elevator and takes yeah. over the lobby? So the uh, the part with the blood in the elevator, it took a long time to get down because it took nine days in total to set everything up for that scene, and they had to keep reshooting it because he wasn't happy with it. He didn't think it looked like blood in some parts. And How, like, do they have to, like, clean the whole set and redo it? Because, like... I'd imagine so. The fake blood would stain. Yeah. But, uh... They- they definitely had to use something that was easy to clean up. Like, you know, I don't know. It, it looked like real blood or Kool-Aid or something like that. Yeah, I, I love this movie, though. Like, <laughs> I think the color schemes really make is, for me, what makes it so eerie. Like, the, all the, like, the bathroom that's, pe- like, total mm-hmm. white and then, like, the the like dark red yeah and like all the orange and red carpets like it makes it feel like unco- like nothing's nothing's cozy and comfortable in that hotel it's very like ugh, yeah. on what um, what i really thought was intricate about this movie was that um the transitions from scene to scenes you know it's kind of like one long shot they're not like cutting and then like reshooting and uh you know when jack nicholson's walking down the hallway there's a camera following him like the scene yeah. mm-hmm. He's like he's walking down the hallway. He stares right into the camera, and then he keeps walking. Like it's all one continuous scene, and that's always, for me anyway. I always thought that was a sign of like a good director being able to shoot scenes like that because yeah. anybody could cut, edit, and like repaste. But you know, to to be able to pull something I like think that, that off. That- that's it. He was thinking thoroughly about transitions. Not even just that. Like, even the part, like, with Danny on the tricycle when he's riding through the halls, it's, like, just following him constantly, like, every turn that he makes yeah. down the hallways. I, yeah, Stanley Kubrick's just a great filmmaker. Um, what else has he made? Um, Let's play that game. Do you actually know how great of a filmmaker he is? <laughs> <laughs> Testing. Where'd you go to film school, Dylan? He made Dr. Strangelove. Um... Have you ever been seen Doctor Strange? Yes, I've seen Doctor Strange. He's love. lying. I don't even know what that is. Stanley Kubrick. Now it's I'm a, drawing a blank. I know it's an he, older he's made movie. a lot of shit. I want to say he made. No, that. Was... Ha ha ha! I got him, Rich. No, got him. You're you're gonna know shit that he's made too. I probably do, but I'm not saying that he's a great director. Uh, Clockwork Orange, 2001: oh, A Space Odyssey. Shit. Okay. Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah. Eyes Wide Shut. He is a really great director. <laughs> yeah. I love Full Metal Jacket. But, um... Yeah, and I mean, like, you could just tell watching the movie that so much work was put into the movie. Like, I read online that 900 tons of salt and crushed styrofoam was brought in to use as the fake snow. That is so not friendly to the atmosphere. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's like 2 million pounds of fake salt for fake snow. (laughs) I really hope... I really hope they cleaned up the styrofoam. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think uh, Planet Earth is going to have to take one for the team on this one. This movie was really good. It was really good, but, like, that's just... Yeah. It's I've... the New York in me. The the hippie mindset is, is somewhere in, in planted in my brain. Fun fact, Star Wars fans, uh, Empire Strikes Back was shot at the fa- same studio as this movie, so... All the scenes on Hoth with the snow used a lot of the fake snow from The Shining on their set for Hoth. Boom! (laughs) Getting our leftovers. Yeah, boy! (laughs) And also, Empire Strikes Back almost didn't happen because there was a fire at the studio and The Shining had to use another one of the studios there 
to film their scenes, which set the Empire Strikes Back back. Back, back. Back, back? Back, back. It's back inception. <laughs> but yeah, I love this movie, like I said before. Like, I have so many memories watching this movie. Like, even when I was younger, like... And just, like, the iconic scenes in the movie that stick with me, like... Honestly, I think I think what makes this movie so great is Jack Nicholson. I, I don't think it would be a good movie without him. Well, it's funny, because uh, he, as far as I understand, was not the first choice, and there were a lot of people that Stephen King didn't want uh, Jack Nicholson in the movie. I'm pretty sure Stanley Kubrick, if I remember, wasn't... Too fun. Like he had other choices. He's got those crazy eyes, and it's just like those. His his um, eyebrows are like peaked. Yeah. And it makes him look insane. And he's just like it's like he has this like comical psychoticness to him that's just <laughs> fantastic. I said to Sierra, I was like, this is like anybody who says that the Joker was what turned Jack Nicholson crazy is absolutely wrong because he played crazy well in this nine years before Batman. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, um, I think he was born crazy. Like I don't yeah. think that that's something he he acts. I think it's very well, much Jack Nicholson. I'm, pre- I, you know, I heard something. I never really crossed or double checked it, but I'm pretty sure Jack Nicholson was raised to believe that uh, his actual birth mother was his sister, and that his grandmother was his mother. I think I've heard that too. Actually, I don't know how true it is, but I, that, now that you're saying it, it does sound familiar. Yeah, but, um, you know, Jack Nicholson was great. Um, I think the story of The Shining was awesome. You know, I read some of the book. Um, now, the book doesn't really follow the uh, – or the movie doesn't really follow the book, and that was – No. That was a big thing with – that a big problem that Stephen King had with it. And he actually made The Shining into a miniseries in, mm-hmm. I want to say, 97, which yeah. didn't get as big as – Jack Nicholson's uh, real name is John. Okay. It didn't get as big as uh, Stanley Kubrick's film, but there was a lot of like issues with the licensing for the, the movie rights, and Stanley Kubrick signed over the rights for Stephen King to make a movie as long as it didn't copy his film at all, and mm-hmm. Stephen King had to agree to stop publicly bashing Stanley Kubrick's film. <laughs> yeah. Um but what I was saying was, you know, even though The Shining didn't really follow the book to a T, I still really enjoyed the film. Oh, I yeah, mean, the, absolutely. Book, the book's a masterpiece. Um, Nicholson's great. I really had a problem with the wife in the movie. Shelley Duvall. I liked she, her, but she, I didn't see, like her character. I feel like Very every, agitating. Yeah, I feel like every time I watch it, I change my mind. Like, I'll go from hating her one time I watch it, and then I'll watch it again. I'll be like, oh, it's not too bad. Um, she was really, like, tortured on set. Yeah, Sierra just fact-checked it, and, uh... That is a true story. Yeah, he was raised to believe... That his grandmother was his mother, and that his mother, show girl, was his older sister. Yep. He didn't know the truth until 1975, which he was born in 37. <laughs> Shit. That's insane. But, um... Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know why you would hide that for that long. I mean, I understand that if your mom had you at, like, such a young age, why why that would be something... Uh, that you might want to do, but Back still, then, yeah. like, the, the not know for that long is just kind of like, be like, once you turned 18, be like, yeah, that older sister, uh, that's your mom. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
but no, whatever her name is, I'm just I'm not a fan. Like Shelly she just, Duvall. yeah, yeah. She, it's just she was agitating. really tortured on set. Like Stanley Kubrick apparently was like a dick to her while filming, and Jack Nicholson has come out and said that like she really put up with a lot of shit while filming that movie, and uh, she has come out and said that that was like the hardest film that she's ever made for that reason like how poorly she was treated see that's the thing is that i don't think that the problem is the actress i think that it was the character because she it's it's like oh yeah absolutely watching it she's such a pushover such a doormat and i can't like it's like stand up for yourself you dumb bitch like (laughs) seriously tell him i'm gonna bash you with this fucking bat back up, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like she does nothing at all. It was like, like, this like, like literally he wants to kill you, and you're like you're like swinging the bat like a little. Like, come on, man, step up. Besides the small interaction that she has with her kid, like that character could could have just been completely erased from the movie, and everything would be the same. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I like the theme of the film too. Like. The, the since you almost get to where it's like, was the hotel haunted or was he just crazy? Yeah, was Jack just crazy? Was the isolation just like draw, driving them all insane? No, well, I mean, it would have yeah, it would have had to been driving them all insane because at the end, his wife starts seeing things. Yeah. Well, it, it was definitely. Um, I th- I think it was definitely haunted hands oh, yeah, down yeah. because. Yeah. Um, you know, from the very beginning, even before, like, you know, there was any signs of his, like, real, like, delirium was, like, the bartender was always there serving him drinks and talking to him and shit, you know, like, mm. like, there there was something funky going on in the hotel and even, uh, you know, the kid with the shining seeing the little girls and what, uh, what was that haunted room number? 237. 237. Yeah, like, you know, Jack Nicholson's whole experience in that room was just like, you know, hands down, there was no way that just isolation caused him to go crazy. Yeah. I, the ending always confused me, too, and... We, we kind of discussed it at the end of the movie for a while, of what it means, when they zoom in on the picture, and Jack Nicholson's in the picture from 1921. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sierra had said that, like, it's probably to show, like, a history of, like, violence, pretty much. Like, because before Jack Nicholson, when Mr. Grady was the caretaker, he killed his family. That's who the twins are that Danny sees when he's on the tricycle. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it, it's almost to show that, like, there's always, a not, even if it's not necessarily Jack, but, like, a Jack-like person who... You know, has that violent tendency and just lets the house manipulate them in that way. Yeah, I mean, I I could see it being um, something metaphorical like that. I I think it's more along the lines of, uh, you know, how they say, you know, tortured souls like never they never get put to rest. I mean, we've seen enough horror movies and supernatural movies to know that. Like, I think they were just caught in a loop. Yeah, that's what I. That's said what Sierra too. said too. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just like a, an ongoing loop because there's the scene when he's talking to Mr. Grady in the bathroom, and like they have some sort of conversation like where Jack Nicholson is like, "You killed your wife and your daughters. You killed them with an axe." And he's like, "No, I didn't. I don't have any recollection recollection of that." And mm-hmm. he's like, "You did it." And he's like, "No, I." I he's like, 
know I've been here as long as I do, so I know as well. And you've been here as long as I have. But he had just gotten there. Like Yeah, he's like, you you were the caretaker. You always have been the caretaker. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, I think yeah. it's like some sort I, I, I even wonder if it's some sort of paranormal loop. Like a they're purgatory in, they're type part thing? of it, yeah. It's possible. But... Um, Another thing that Stanley Kubrick's known for is, like, attention to detail. Like, very, very close attention to detail. And, like, he wants to make sure everything's perfect. And, like, he does it a lot in the movie. Like, I have read online that, uh, like, for example, when Jack Nicholson's typing on the typewriter, mm-hmm. he actually recorded somebody typing all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy over and over again. Like, he recorded the sounds of them typing exactly that because... He claimed that different keys make different sounds, and he wanted to make sure that that was, like, that close to detail with his work. Yeah, that's really cool. I I, I would have thought it would have been more along the lines of, like, somebody who actually had worked with a typewriter in the past would, like, see where their hands were and, like, be able to tell that they weren't typing that. But, um, But, yeah, I guess I could see it making a slightly different sound. You know what I noticed, too, with Stephen King movies, and it's not... But I've noticed it with with The Shining, and it is that they they he has um, he focuses on um, certain sentences with the typewriters because in it they they had the same thing where they had the typewriter and it was typing um, and it was saying um, what Billy used to have to repeat so that he wasn't stuttering. But it zoomed in very similarly to the way that The Shining zoomed in on. Um, all work and no all play work, makes Jack a dull boy. No play mm. makes Jack a dull boy. I want Jack a dull boy. <laughs> and it's just like a similar thing that they had in both of those movies, which is funny because Stephen King had nothing to do with The Shining. Well, I mean, I think that other than came writing from, it, I think that came from the book. Do you yeah, think so. it was? It was I, I haven't read them. Yeah. I can't. I can't look at a book that big and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna read this bad boy." <laughs> Because once, once I get, like, it's like, I want something where I can, like, feel my my progress, and I feel like if I don't feel it fast enough, I'm like, nope. I, I can read Stephen King's short stories. Yeah. Like, all of his short stories he's, he's done, um, I can read those, but I, I've tried so many times with so many of his, like, novels to get through them, and I just, I guess it's my attention span. I, I mean, they're great, but I don't have yeah. the attention span to get through them. I don't know. I, um... I personally, I like the feeling of a big, heavy book. You know, I would rather read a big book than a small book. Um, I like it makes me, It makes me feel smarter, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of like uh, my friend got me um, the complete collection of uh, Edgar Allan Poe in like, you know, um, gold leaf paper, leather bound like book. And it's like my favorite thing ever. I feel it makes me feel smarter walking around with it. Somebody looks at you and goes, "Wow, you're reading that!" Like, yep. Hell yeah! I feel like I I can see Rich like bringing a girl back to his room. She's got those big books, and he's like, "You see that?" I'm smart. I read that shit. <laughs> I can tell you the plot summary, bitch. Yeah. Got words. <laughs> big words. More than three. But um, no, actually, uh, my girlfriend, which I, I I'm jealous of, um, she works the overnights and uh, she doesn't have any of her bosses or anything there. So what she does is she likes to get those audio books on her phone, mm-hmm. and she'll uh, she'll listen to the book while she's like working. It's funny that you brought that up though, because you work at um, not to throw, I can edit it out if you want, but um, you work at Mohonk, which. 
Stephen King has written like a shit ton of books there. Yeah, um, I I didn't personally meet him. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I seen him miss it, one of my supervisors got something, got like a copy of The Shining uh, signed for his daughter who really likes uh, the book. But one time I was walking up from the uh, lake side of the porch and it was like early morning and uh it was really foggy because of the lake being there and everything mm-hmm. and uh i look out on the porch where the rocking chairs are and i see one person sitting in the rocking chairs and you know this is like you know uh 6 30 in the morning mm-hmm. before like really anybody uh was awake and uh i come walking up and who's sitting in the rocking chair just staring at the lake in the mist fucking stephen king <laughs> so cool yeah yeah that's awesome. I mean, it, I think it's awesome that, like, so much of his work was written in our hometown. I think that's cool to think Isn't about. Isn't it crazy that he wrote a book about a hotel in a mountain? What? <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, back on The Shining, though. Uh, really, off the top of my head, don't have anything else to say about it. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to bring up. Any specific scenes that you really enjoyed? Um, As go ahead. uh, I was just gonna say I I did hear the um, the line here is Johnny was improvised. It was supposed to be a joke on set. Yes, Um, and which is the most notorious like quote from the movie. Yeah, and um, Stanley Kubrick. Because the, the line was from The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and Stanley Kubrick was from uh, the UK, so he didn't know what it was, so he almost cut it from the film completely because he didn't really understand the the joke. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I felt like that scene, even though it was intended to be a joke, definitely added on to his crazy factor in the end where you're okay. like, this dude's insane. Yeah. Um, my favorite scene, I have two. Um, one is probably going to sound a little, like, cliche, but I, I do love the scene with Danny where he's riding down the hallway and he sees the Grady twins, and it, like, cuts between, like, them murdered on the floor and, like, them just yeah. standing there. That That's always, like, had left me with, like, an uncomfortable feeling. And uh, the second part, I love when... Shelly Duvall's character Wendy's like walking backwards up the steps with the bat and she's like don't hurt me and uh, Jack's like I'm not gonna hurt you I'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in <laughs> that's, that's the first thing he says to where you're like oh the, fuck. it's really the first like threat that he makes where you just yeah we're just like oh shit like this just got real <laughs> but yeah on a scale of one to ten fellas Scale of one to ten. I'd give it a nine. I, I'd give it like a yeah, a nine. I, this is one of my favorite Stephen King movies and one of my favorite horror movies in general. I think it's great. I can't personally, I can't really think of anything that I would complain about with it. Um, no, and it, and it's crazy because it's a long movie, and usually that would be my complaint. Like it's, it's too a long, long, but it's yeah. it's good. It's full of good information. That's it's another thing too. It's a long movie, but whenever I watch it, I don't feel like it's a long movie. I feel like it's a normal length movie. Mm. But. Well, I'm right up there with you guys on this one. Uh, I'm gonna have to say eight, eight out of ten. That's pretty good. 
That's good. Yeah. On, that's good on a rich scale. That's yeah. great. That's actually amazing on a rich scale. <laughs> that's like yeah. That's like the top like three percentile on the rich scale. Eight out of ten on a rich scale is really ten out of ten, but uh, rich doesn't go above eight. Yeah, it doesn't go above eight. Rarely, rarely ever goes above eight. Eight out of eight. <laughs> but, no, this this movie was really good. Um, the only complaints, it was a long movie, and I I would have liked to saw, see a little bit more horror. As you mentioned, Stephen King wanted the hotel to be like the main focus of it, and I I understand that, but um, I I needed some more horror or explain The Shining a little bit better or like you know something there it. It it was great. It could have been better. Yeah, well, I mean, like, going back to that, too, like, there is a lot of key things that go with the story from the book that were just completely left out of the movie. Like, for example, um, Tony, who Danny talks to, the person who he hears in his head, uh, in the book it was explained that that's actually his future self talking to him. Yeah. And, like, giving him warnings, like, what to look out for and stuff. And that, like, just doesn't even get brought up in the movie. It's just like, oh, well, Danny's hearing this random person. I love when Danny starts, like, rad, 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 rad. I love that. Danny isn't here, Mrs. Torrance. Yeah, I love that. I'm like, I, I said to Dylan, I said, how do you think they coached that kid into making that voice? Oh, yeah, another fact, fun fact, before we move on. Um, the kid who played him, Danny Lloyd, he didn't know that it was a horror movie that they were making. Stanley Kubrick was, like, really protective over him on set. And he made sure that the kid wasn't around for any of, like, the scary stuff they were filming. So the kid always thought they were filming a drama. Then when he turned 11, they showed him, like, a very edited down version of the movie. And that's when he knew that it was a horror movie. But he didn't actually see the entire movie or know what the entire movie was until he was 17. See, I would have went the complete opposite way with that just to, like, capture the absolute, like genuine fear in that child's eyes yeah by like just oh yeah it's a drama it's like a comedy and then all of a sudden throw them in room 237 and <laughs> like fucking boom there you are kid i'm curious to like what kind of movie he thought they were filming like oh well, we're just sitting at this hotel and every once in a while mom and dad argue <laughs> it, was probably, it was probably explained as like a family and then like we- a domestic and then we get I chased. Feel like dad I, trying to hurt them. He was like, "Don't, don't, don't feel bad. I, I, I feel this at home every day." <laughs> <laughs> fucked. <laughs> That's fucked. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Pet cemetery. Pet cemetery. Yeah. What do you think about? Oh, let's, let's talk about the plotline, and then I'll ask you what you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Pet Cemetery was released in 1989. And it was, I don't know who it was directed by, I don't remember, but the screenplay was written by Stephen King, and he was actually on set for most of the movie, most of the movie because they filmed it 20 minutes from his house in Maine. I wonder if the, like, the actors went and hung out at his house. Probably. I feel like Stephen King probably lives in a haunted mansion somewhere. <laughs> um, I hope. Stephen King wanted, like, made it very clear that he wanted his screenplay followed like exactly, and uh, the movie follows... You explain it. You've seen it a thousand times here. It follows a family that moves into a new, like, a farmhouse. Mm. Um, and they have a creepy neighbor who, I don't remember his name, but he's Herman Munster. Yes. Um, and they, 
their cat ends I, wa- up- I want you I want you to revise the word creepy because I felt like the whole movie he was trying to look out and help that family. No, he was so nice, but he's just like a little weird. <laughs> well, yeah. You don't want to go but down that road. He's also he's also You see that? Reason- you see that road over there? You don't want to go down <laughs> that me, road. He yeah, but he some- also brought them to the pet cemetery. He gave me some douche chills when they were like, "Oh, what is that?" and he's like, "I'll bring you down there later." Like Fuck you, I'll walk down there by myself. I don't need you to bring me places. I'm a full-grown yeah. adult. So pretty much the family finds out from the neighbor that there is a Indian burial ground near their house. And if you bury an animal and apparently a person, they will come back from the dead. But they don't come back as what they were. They come back as like a darker version of that. Well, he did say he's like only pets. He's like never people. Yeah. Like he, Because I, I think... You know, I, I got the vibe that he he made it may have buried his wife before, and like he knows from experience why. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, they said at the end they do go into like why he how he knew how he knew yeah. exactly what would happen. So what ends his up dog, right? initially? Yeah, initially the family's cat gets dies while the uh, children and mother are visiting the, their family. And so the neighbor's like, oh, you know, he felt bad. So he brought the father up to the cemetery, buries the cat, and uh, church comes back. Mm-hmm. And church isn't nice anymore. <laughs> and uh, it just slowly escalates. And he just keeps going and burying things that he shouldn't be burying in the pet cemetery. Like his son. Like his son, who gets hit yeah. by a tractor trailer because they're, they're poorly watching them. <laughs> An eighteen wheeler. That scene is just like oh, dude. The first time heart, I watched man, like, it, it's hard. The first time I watched it was uh, I think freshman year in high school with Sierra, and she's just like, "Oh, let's watch this movie. Have you ever seen?" it? I was like, "Nah." And she's like, "Oh, well, a little kid gets hit by a truck, and you see it." And I'm like, "What do you mean you see it? Yeah. You, see his, you see his foot in his shoe, man. You see <laughs> yeah, you just you see his foot in his shoe, but it, that that scene does." do a really good job of like kind of like leaving some to the imagination yeah 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 because yeah. like, like, like a, a child's mangled body it's such yeah. a fucking hard hit too like when not no pun intended but when the kid gets hit and it like instantly flashes to like the pictures of him being born and like him as a baby and then it's like, oh yeah oh yeah, shit <laughs> yeah and then like when uh when his father goes back to the cemetery. Oh, no, when they're at the funeral and the, the father's like, what? The Stephen King like, cameo. Why weren't you? What, like, where were you? Where were you? And he's like, like, fights. Like, they get into a full-out fist fight because, you know, everyone's so distraught over this child, this, this baby, essentially. Yeah. It was a toddler being killed. It's so sad. And then, like, there's this scene where he's, like, he digs up the, his son's body and he's cradling it. Like, oh, yeah. my God, it's so fucked up. But, um, yeah, he buries Gage in the pet cemetery. Gage comes back. And he's so fucking cute. Yeah. (laughs) He's so cute. (laughs) He kills the mom, he kills the neighbor, and he goes after the dad. The dad ends up injecting him with some, uh... Wasn't it, like, a pipe cleaner or some, like... Something. It was something, yeah. They tested it on the cat to make sure it would work. Yeah. And then then, he's Gage. To end it all off, which I fucking love the ending of this movie, like, his wife's dead because Gage killed him, so what does he do? He goes and buries his wife in the And he's like, he, as he's, like, carrying her, he's like, it'll be okay. Yeah. She's yeah. just died. It, it's just because she just, like, Gage was dead for a couple days. She just died. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. And then she comes back and kills him. We think. I'm assuming she holds Uh, uh Yeah, she definitely, uh, maybe they boned first, but I definitely think he, <laughs> he killed her. 
But, uh... What do you think about it? What do I think about it? Yeah, what do you think about it? I like it. Um, My only complaint with it would have to be... Um, I really hate the... Oh, it's an ancient Indian burial ground. I, I, I really, Would you prefer to just not be explained what it is? Yeah, just not like, explained. Believe I, it as a mystery. I feel like that's such a go-to for like paranormal movies. Like, oh, this is haunted because it's on an yeah. Indian burial ground. It's like, why? Like, just make it that it's haunted. But or just like, just like be like, oh, there's something special about this ground, but we're not sure what. Yeah, I like it though. It, it has like a really unsettling feeling to it. Um, the Zelda. Oh my god. Rachel's sister. I have nightmares about her to this day. (laughs) What about you, Rich? Um, I thought this movie was great. Um, I really liked every aspect of it. I thought it it was filmed really well. Um, like I said, it, it was, it was a mix between the, one of those old-fashioned movies where it leaves a lot to the imagination, like one of the newer age movies where they started to actually show some gore and like do that kind of a di- thing. Um, what was I going to say? The whole part about the ancient Indian burial ground, I, I was looking up some theories about it, and I kind of, kind of thought it was a cool kind of a twist to it. Um, what if, like... It was an ancient Indian burial ground. There were dead bodies. They buried them there. Um, what if it was Wendigos possessing the bodies of whatever uh, they buried there? I feel like we talk about Wendigos a lot. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, maybe, I mean, yeah. I, it's they were very saying, left up to you to decide what, yeah. what the whole thing is. I just take it as, like, eat, like living dead. You know what I mean? Like how they kind of like almost zombie esque to me. I can see but that. But they have they, they are able to, to talk though. And so like the the difference. messing with the mind, like the Rachel sees Gage as Zelda, like it like messes with her mind. Yeah. Oh too. No, I'm sorry, the scene where like he gets the phone call and it's or no, the mother gets the phone call and it's Gage and he's like I played at the neighbors and now I want to play with you. I'm like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> yeah, like so that that that's what I was thinking. Like as soon as I heard it, I'm like, it makes sense when Dagos are like, you know, ancient Native American spirits. It's a, it's a Native American burial ground. Like it's totally possible that they like possess these bodies to come back and to, you know, kill like and I mean, type thing. Yeah, it it didn't you know it didn't show that. They was the scene where he killed the neighbor. Was Gage chewing on him and eating him? He ate his neck. Yeah. Okay, so see, it kind of fits into the Wendigo kind of zombie kind of deal. Yeah. yeah, zombies don't talk. They don't think. For the most part. <laughs> another, another like small complaint I had with the movie was um, the build up for it. Like, they do have stuff happen in between, but it like. You have, yeah. like, an hour of, like, explaining the story and then, like, 20 to 30 minutes of Gage coming back and them taking uh, – the dad taking care of that. And it's – I'm sad that the neighbor died. He is my favorite character because yeah. I like the monsters. <laughs> no, I love this movie. It's one of my um, – it's, it's one of the, the horror movies I remember watching when I was younger with my dad on, like, sci-fi and shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't 
ever go past the first pet cemetery because it just gets bad after that. I never watched the second the one. The second one is so bad. <laughs> I thought I I thought it wasn't that bad. I thought it was good for like comedic effect. Yeah, it's like it's weird. more ridiculous. It is. It's more ridiculous, but it's like, you know how like some some sequels are like funny because they're trying to be funny. That was not funny because they were trying to be funny. Yeah, <laughs> like it was, it was funny like because funny. Like, like like it seemed like they were trying to be funny, but they weren't. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, it was weird. It was just very cheesy, very corny. I got you. It was it, it was pretty funny because I uh, I had a couple drinks last night when I was watching Pet Cemetery, and. Um, I, I'm using the Amazon Fire Stick, so when I clicked on Pet Cemetery, for some reason the link that it gave me was for the second movie. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like sitting there watching it, and like five minutes goes by, and I'm like, why is the kid from Terminator in the first? <laughs> <episode>? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, duh, this is the second one. <laughs> yeah. I'm so. glad you. I'm glad you figured that out. So we didn't get on to talk about Pet Cemetery. You're like that, that movie fucking sucked. I haven't watched <laughs> the second one in so long. But if if I'm thinking of the correct movie, I remember a scene of like, um, the dad dies, comes back, in the second one, and he like I remember something about him putting either the somebody's head into a, a motorcycle tire, like into the the wheel. Where yeah. The I Definitely. haven't seen it in a really long time, so I'm thinking that's the movie, but I, I'm not 100% on that. I think, I think like, his it was his stepdad, and I think the kid yeah. might have killed him or something. Yeah. And then, like, because... I think he was abusive, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he, he was, but that's why I'm saying I think the kid accidentally killed him and got scared, so he brought him back, but... Um, I it was dumb. They, like, they were, it's, they were stressing the whole movie that the, the guy was a dickhead. And then he fucking brings him back. Like, mm-hmm. ooh, a zombie dickhead's gonna be even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's just ten times worse. <laughs> but uh, now, now a zombie's giving it to your mom. <laughs> Wrecked. <laughs> but yeah, no. This this movie, I do like it. Um, at those those two complaints I had, they were small complaints, and then really the only complaints I have with it. Um, what would you rate it? Would I rate it? What would you rate it? Rate it, baby. Uh, What's the number? Give it a number. Seven point five. Whoa, that's Whoa. not too bad. That's not too bad. Who wants? Sierra. Me. That's number. Me. I'm gonna say eight point two. I like how you're about two. to say six and then you jump to eight. <laughs> yeah. So I liked it than- a lot. I liked it a lot, a lot. And I've always liked it, so there's the nostalgia factor for me as well. And um, I just think it's a unique movie. There's no other movies out there like it. So, mm-hmm. right. 8.2? Do yeah. you see 2 or 1? 2. 2. Rich? 8.2. Um, if you're going to incorporate the whole nostalgia factor, like this movie... It was one of the main movies I remember watching with my grandmother back when I was like three or four years old. And, um, you know, memories like that are just priceless. It was a great movie. Um, I feel like, yeah, Dylan, you got a point with the whole build up. But I, I've heard you call movies great that nothing happened for the first hour of the movie. The descent. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but all in all, I what did I give The Shining an, an eight? An eight. I gotta go eight point five on this one. Ooh. Damn, son! I like your change there. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I do like that movie though. It's 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 enjoyable, and it's not like it's not like a total horror movie. Like you're not gonna be terrified watching it. You could watch it with people that don't necessarily like horror. Um, but it's fun. It's it's unique, and it's it's something very different. So watch it. Watch it. I I do like to a lot. Of, I don't want to say a lot, but. Stephen King movies, I guess I'll say a lot of the time, for me, like, the ending just isn't that great. Mm. And this one, I, I fucking love the ending of it. I love that he just doesn't learn his lesson and goes and buries his wife. Well, I think and, it shows his desperate, like, he's, yeah. he's so desperate to, to fix what has happened. Like, well, he wants that... his child, he wants his wife, he doesn't want his family to be destroyed like it is. And now, after he's burning down his house and they find all these bodies, guess where he's going? Prison! Yeah. <laughs> where was he at the end? Because, like, he, he act, like, he was gonna burn his house down, and then he, at the end scene, he was with his wife in the house. Do you think, like, he knew he was gonna die? Like Maybe he just, like, let himself die, maybe. I don't know. See that—that's the thing. Like um, with what you said about Stephen King endings, um, you know, everybody knows that a decent book usually translates into a good movie. I feel like a lot of the plot and a lot of like the good key points do transfer over. I feel like the only thing that's very hit or miss is like a book's ending could be really, really good, and then once you turn it into a movie, like it, it doesn't have the same effect as like you know a book ending does you know you're like you have your expectations throughout the whole the whole movie or the whole book but with a book when you get to the ending a lot of it is like your imagination in your head like you could create that perfect ending opposed to a movie of a book that's just it's there you know what i mean I think that Stephen King movies are much more successful because he does the um, he does a lot of the TV miniseries, and I think mm-hmm. that that makes his movies a lot more successful because his books have so much detail. You cannot fit that much detail into an hour and a half movie. Yeah. He really does need to do those three, mm-hmm. to f- four, five hour miniseries sometimes because you you just shouldn't try and cut out that much information because then you get what happened in The Shining where he doesn't he's not happy with it because half of the stuff that made the movie what it was or the book what it was isn't there. Yeah. I know I agree with you guys. No you don't. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> he's a Yo, communist. Twist twist his nipple for me. I can't reach. No! Ah! Stop it. <laughs> Perfect. All right. You're welcome. So, we moving on to Rose Red? Fuck yes. I love Rose Red. Yes. Shh. Rose Red was a TV miniseries released in 2002, and it was not based on a book. Stephen Play wrote the screenplay. Stephen Play? Stephen King <laughs> wrote nice. the screenplay specifically for the TV miniseries. Uh, it was originally going to be a movie that Stephen King worked on with Steven Spielberg, but they had a lot of differences because Steven Spielberg wanted it to be more of a suspect or a action adventure type thing, and Stephen King wanted to make a horror movie. He wanted to make a movie that was, I think, in his exact words, the Moby Dick of haunted house movies. And I think he was successful in that. 
Uh, you said dick. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't funny at all. <laughs> it was so bad it was, it was funny. But, uh, you know, um, Rose Red follows a professor named Joyce who... Obsessed. Obsessor. Professor. Obsessor, professor. <laughs> yeah, she is obsessed with this haunted house called well, Rose Red. she's obsessed with paranormal psychology in yeah. general. And uh, she pretty much gets this group of people with psychic abilities together to go to this house, which is this cursed house that's constantly changing and transforming. Um, There's been, like, over 23... 23- Recorded deaths at this house. Yeah, and... She, and or disappearances. Yeah. And or disappearances. So she gets this group of uh, psychics together to, like, go investigate this house, and, of course, they start getting fucked with by the house, um, and disappearing. I just, gotta, I, I just gotta say, like, for the first time watching this movie... Um, what a star-studded cast. Like, I was not <laughs> expecting it. Like, you know, the chick from Bones, the chick yeah. from Halloween, Halloween Town. Town. Uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King was in it for a yeah, true. The pizza boy. And, and, and that du- weird dude, Emery, was so mean to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He like, was a dick. I, I can't... Oh, Emery. If I was Stephen King, I would have threw the pizza in his face or smacked him or something, like... <laughs> but go on, Dylan. Sorry. Oh no, you're good. Um, so the house starts manipulating everybody, and it manipulates the little girl Annie, who is autistic, is autistic, and the most powerful psychic there. Um, it convinces her to keep the doors and the windows shut. Isn't she telekinetic? Yeah. Um, keep the doors and the windows shut so nobody can escape. And they end up convincing her to open the doors and the windows, and... They leave. They escape. The Joyce, ones that are alive. Joyce escape. stays behind because she's obsessed with the house, and she... She, she likes the house more than she likes life. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Well, I, in all reality, the only thing she had when she left... Like, I doubt they had any of the video equipment that they went in with. So she, she was really... Proof. She was really only banging that dude so she could get into the house. I feel so bad for Steve because he was a nice guy. He was a nice guy. He was terrified of that house. He called her out too. He's like, "If I wasn't, uh, if I did, if I wasn't the heir to to Rose Red, would I be in your bed right now?" He said. And she was that. like, "Come on, we're all just trying to have a good time. <laughs> Why you gotta go make things awkward?" <laughs> but. No, I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I think that although the cast weren't, most of them were not, like, huge stars, I think that they were all really good actors, especially Emery, because he played such a dick. Yeah. And, like, I feel like I would hate to play that character, and he did a really good job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't stand Joyce. Yeah. could not stand her, but Annie was a, a great character, and um, it really showed that actress's skills, I think, because, you know, coming from Disney Channel to a Stephen King miniseries, it's a pretty big switch. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she was in Stephen King first. It's possible. I don't remember. I don't know the year Halloween Town came out. But I was in love with Halloween on, Town. Dylan. No, no. <laughs> Halloween Town was first because Halloween Town was still, was, I want to say Halloween, it might have actually been the same year. No, I'm going to look this up right now. I'm looking it up right now. I'm pretty Why can't sh- we just get along? We're not fighting. We're we're fact checking. 
Halloween what? Town came out in 1998, so Halloween Town was first. God damn, she looks so young and rose red, though. Don't worry, Rich, because I said literally the same well, exact thing. Well, you have to think, though, too, Rich, is that they also, um, you know, they dressed her much younger. She was carrying around dolls. Like, she was acting like a much younger child because she was playing a character with autism. Yeah. So, like, she was probably 11 or 12 in actuality, but uh-huh. she was kind of made to seem more like maybe like an eight, seven or eight. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Maybe three or four. It was really good that she switched out of Halloween Town to Rose Red and then did like three more Halloween Town that movies. That horrible. And, I, and I've never seen anything else again. Dude, Halloween Town has 90, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I thought this movie was good. I, I kind of got this sense while watching it that... So, going back to The Shining, Stephen King wasn't a fan of it. Um, he remade it in 97. It wasn't really as big as Stanley Kubrick's movie. And I almost got the sense while watching Rose Red that he was trying to, like, revamp, like, re-get that feeling. Because if you think about it, like, a haunted house, a character that's psychic that can communicate with people in her mind, um... The house manipulating the people in it. Like, it, it, there's a lot of similar themes in it that The Shining had. But... Yeah, I mean, I think... Going back to what I said, a lot of Stephen King's movies had The sh- like had the Shining in it. I believe The Neighbor in Pet Cemetery kind of had The Shining going on. Um, obviously, The Kid in um, The Shining. Carrie? Um, Carrie. Uh, like another, as another character, like the book, the movie, Carrie. Yeah, Carrie, of course. Um, and you know the little girl, I forgot what her name was in Rose yeah. Red. Yeah. Definitely had The Shining. So like they definitely have similarities. Um, I I did I I enjoyed what they did with Rose Red more than The Shining based on what you said, how Stephen King wanted it to be more about the hotel. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a really good job with that, with the flashbacks telling the history. Yeah, I love that. How it, it like, goes back and shows the, like, the different stories of the house. Because it gives you... I think they do make the the house very much alive. And and the house has a character in it. In Rose Red, I think that that they did do a great job doing that because, like you said in, in The Shining, that was something that Stephen King was disappointed about. And I think it's cool how he can make inanimate objects a character. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, that's something that people don't do, you know? So Yeah. The movie was very heavily based on the Winchester house. Um, are you familiar with that, Rich? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for anybody listening who isn't as familiar, um, the woman who is married I don't remember her first name I want to say Sarah Winchester Fact Sarah Winchester no oh <laughs> I wish um hang on Sarah's checking it I don't know I was talking to my friend about this today and uh, cause we watched it together and um he's like Sarah Winchester yeah yeah um Rose Red is exactly like Mohawk. It's, you know, family privately owned. It just keeps 
growing and growing. <laughs> Nobody knows where the money is coming from, and the service is shit. <laughs> so yeah, um, the the girl's name is Sarah Winchester. Uh, she was married to William Winchester, who was the man who created the Winchester rifles. Um, after Which are great guns, by the way. <laughs> after he passed away, uh, she went to a psychic who told her that she would forever be haunted by the people who her husband's guns have killed. So she basically was told that she has to make a house that would accommodate all of them. So until the day she died, she was constantly building on this house so that it had enough rooms for all of these ghosts. And um, she would build, like, secret passages in the house so and stairways stairways to nowhere and, like, upside-down rooms, just, like, crazy things that you can definitely see the resemblance in Rose Red when you're watching it. Huh. Actually, you know what? I didn't know about that. I, I knew kind of the gist of it. I didn't know it was that to like to that extent. Yeah. Because then Rose Red portrayed that perfectly, and my second thought is like, can we tour the Winchester House? Yeah. You can. The tickets are on sale for thirty four to forty four dollars, and it's a fifty five minute tour. Where's it at? Virginia, right? San Jose, California. Ah, uh, fuck that. Too far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm too someday. Glad I had all that information on hand, guys. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're good, Sierra. You're on the ball. Couldn't tell me her first name, but you could tell me how much ticket prices are to visit the house. (laughs) You gotta keep up with that shit. I'm I'm planning a road trip one day. But, um, yeah, no, I I think Stephen King did put a a lot of work into writing the screenplay and the the overall story for the movie. I mean, there's so much detail in it, and like you had brought up, Rich, like the backstory that he shows with the house really makes it feel like the house is the main character of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And no, I, 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 there's just so much, and it, and it's hard to pick up hard details too because it is a five hour long movie, four mm-hmm. hour, four hour, five it's like four hour, and a half, yeah. four and a half hours. Okay, so if you're gonna watch this, like dedicate a day to it because it does take a long time to get through. But it's not something where you're like, when is this gonna be over? No, um, yeah, I was, I was really upset because. I'm like, I didn't know what I was walking into it. Dylan sends me a message, you know, FYI, it's a five-hour-long movie. (laughs) And then I was like, okay. And then I sit down and I watch the first part that I found a video for that had good quality. And I'm like, okay. I'm, like, curious to see where this was going because it had so much buildup and backstory behind it. Like, I was, like, ready to go, like, ready to see where it was going to go. And then the set, like, part two video, I could not see shit. (laughs) <laughs> it was like literally somebody put a 1995 tape recorder in front of a <laughs> giant ass like square TV <laughs> with a light on glare and it was just like I couldn't I couldn't even watch it. At one point I'm like I'm going to put on the subtitles just so I could like read what's going on and then I'm like this is ridiculous. I have to look up like what happened. Yeah, I Sarah I we're, I didn't even really think about it, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to tell Rich what the movies are. And then we're sitting here on Sunday, and Sierra's like, you might want to give Rich a heads up that Rose Red is a five-hour movie so that he has <laughs> enough time to watch it. And I was like, shit, I didn't even think you about that. You want to know what's bad is that Rose Red is, is five hours long. How many times have I made you watch that in our relationship? I I was watching it before we were together. Yeah. I, I 
the first time I watched it was like right after it aired, and my mom. Yeah, I watched it pretty. I yeah. think I might have watched it on TV actually. Yeah, I was younger, and my mom was like, "Oh, I watched this. You have to check it out." And it was like a. I remember it was like a rainy day, and I just sat there all day and watched this movie, and I was really. Sometimes into it. I like things that absorb my whole day because it's like. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Explain to me, um, I want to know what I didn't find out about it was um, one of the still images on one of the parts was obviously a monster of the maid. Why was the maid a monster? The maid ended up dying. So um, what had happened was she was really good. She got, she got, a, I know she got accused of the other lady like disappearing. Yeah. And the- yeah. She was really good friends with Ellen Rimbauer uh-huh. and pretty much what it shows was it was made to look like her husband, uh, Ellen Rimbauer's husband killed himself. But they mm-hmm. in reality, the, yeah, the they maid pushed him out of the rose window, the, the stained glass window in the top. Yeah, um, Ellen Rimbauer and the maid killed him because Ellen walked in on him trying to get with the maid. And uh, oh yeah, they planned it out. Yeah, they planned they it planned out. They planned this to whole thing out cheating. because she knew he was cheating on her because she had caught something from him. Yeah, and uh, so they they set it up so that he would think that he had a chance at the maid. And Ellen was like hiding, and and as soon as he like went for it and tried to kiss the maid, they pushed him out the window. Yeah. So it was kind of like the house consumed both of them. Like, they were in it together, pretty much. Um, Ellen Rimbauer is a character, too. Like, There's also another movie you can watch if you're interested in the backstory of Rose Red. The Diary of Ellen Rimbauer. Called The Diary of Ellen Rimbauer. Yeah, um, Stephen King, since this wasn't based on a book of his, he wrote a companion novel type thing to it called The, Del- the Diary of Ellen Rimbauer, and it's pretty much her diary that she kept while Which she was living in Which they do reference Rochelle. a lot throughout the movie that yeah. they had, oh, the, according to Ellen's diary. Yeah. Or, uh, in Ellen's diary. So wait, this, movie. so yeah, they wrote a book based off of Rose Red and... It was made into a movie. The book was made into a movie. Called The yeah. Diary of Ellen Rimbaugh, yeah. It's a movie Was it directed by a... Stephen King or did does he have I any part in it? I don't think he had anything to do with it, honestly. I don't know too much about The Diary of Ellen Rimbaugh movie. I haven't watched that. Um, it's pretty much um, the diary of Ellen Rimbauer shows the entire history, like the stuff that was left out in Rose Red. Almost like a director's cut, like deleted scenes of. Yeah, it's like the entire history from when the house was built until Ellen died. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm not too familiar with. And that. it like goes a lot more into her husband's affairs and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. I really sounds like interesting. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> um. Any favorite scenes? Anything you particularly like? Uh, my favorite scene is uh, there's two, and it's in the beginning of the movie. The first one is when Emery's looking in the fridge, oh, and yeah. everything in the fridge is just covered in blood. Can we talk about that scene though, really quick, before you go on to like the next thing you're gonna say? Yeah. Okay, so there's a part where you're watching. You got to see that scene, right, Rich? Which one? The one where where Emery gets a phone call from Joyce, and then he's, like, looking in his fridge and getting, like, pie, and, like, uh, yeah, one second yeah, yeah. it's normal, it turns to the blood. It, like, has, like, a, a, a moment where a, a severed arm pops out of the fridge, and then it goes to a black screen, and then it goes back, and it's just, nor- like, there's no severed arm, it's just blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was really confused by that. Uh, well, it's because it was for, made for TV, so it was probably, like, 
when it went on commercial to like make sure people tuned back in to see what happened. Yeah, I guess it was just um, weird. <laughs> a- another part that I liked also involved Emery. It was when uh, before, right, like the day before they're going to the house when he's in his kitchen and he's going to get the ice cream and he closes it and he sees like the silhouette of Ellen Rimbauer and the maid, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like they're like corpses. And was I th- it the one I th- where he's like, "Leave your." Le- like take give your warnings to someone who's not broke. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, he said that a couple times. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I I thought that the the makeup and the special effects for the um like the ghosts and the corpses were really good. Not the terrible CGI, and that was really my only big complaint with this movie. Was oh my god, the ghosts. The, yeah, I mean, this movie came out in two thousand two, which is really like the height of uh, like when everybody thought CGI and special effects in that sense were. You know, great. The, the next big great thing, and uh, they kind of overdid it, tw- especially towards the end of the movie, when like, like the house is collapsing and shit's popping out of the mirrors. And um, I want to talk about Emery as a character really quick. He is such a douchebag, but I feel really bad for him because it's like when they're showing his like background, like him at his house, and like he. When they introduce him, he's looking at bills and he's trying to manage his mom's finances. And it's like it's like thing after thing that she's buying. And he's like, what? Like looking at it, like what the hell is she doing? And then she pulls in and he he goes to the car and she just has her car filled with shit she bought. And it's all like kids' toys and like little trinkets and all this stuff. And it's just like you can see like he's an asshole because he's so fucking stressed with his life because he's taking care of his mother. It's funny because I feel like he his character was the only like. The one that went into the most backstory, and like I think that he needed it though because he would have just been an instant hated character. And then at the end, he really takes a turn because he, he was he in the beginning of the movie when they first get together and they're getting ready to go to Rose Red. He looks at Annie and goes, "What is she retarded?" Yeah. And everyone's like, "Whoa!" And then uh, the last scene of the movie, he goes up to Annie and he's like, "Oh, you you're, you look beautiful in that dress." Like, and he's being really sweet to her, and, it, like, from his mother dying, it seems like he kind of... It was almost like a weight was lifted from him. Yeah. Because his mother died. She went to go find him at Rose Red, and she gets killed there. Yeah. Doesn't... Yeah. Don't they accidentally I, kill her because she pops out of a freaking trunk or something? Or, some shit like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, the British guy, I think, accidentally kills her. <laughs> really? Yeah, because, like, she pops out of something, and he, like, hits her because he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> hits her with what? I don't know. It was very quick. Yeah. um, I I felt, I kind of felt bad for Emery as a character because I felt like he was such a dick because he was constantly being picked on when he was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, Now as an adult, like you said, he's pretty much babysitting his mother and his mother treats him like he's the child. Yeah. And, oh my uh, god, I felt so bad when they when she dropped him off and she's like, give mommy kisses. I'm like, oh my god, he's like 39. <laughs> Don't yeah. do that to that poor man. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Um, so you kind of have to give him like feel points for that. Yeah. They made fun of him uh, so bad for it too. <laughs> yeah. What did he say? Like, oh, I bet uh, summer camp was a nightmare or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But um, oh. overall, what would you give the movie here out of 10? Easily an 8.9 for me. I loved it. More than Pet Cemetery. Don't I've okay. Pet Cemetery is like what an hour and a half. 
I watched it. I've watched Pet Cemetery. I'd say probably a dozen times in my life. I've probably watched Rose Red more than that, and it's five hours. <laughs> I think that's more dedication. I'd, I'd have to give it. I give Pet Cemetery about seven point five. Mm-hmm. I think I give Rose Red like a seven. It's really high. It's, it's yeah, good. it's high. I, I love Rose Red. I think it's great. Um, my really only biggest complaint with it is the CGI at the end. Which, which I think is just the time. Yeah, definitely just the time, but it ruins the atmosphere. Maybe they me. should go in and, and like re-edit it and like make it better. Uh, Rich? Um, I'm actually not going to rate this one, guys. I was not capable of watching the whole movie in its entirety. I feel like uh, me giving a rating to this movie just wouldn't, wouldn't be, fair. be right. Yeah, it wouldn't be right. That's understandable. I'm just trying, you know, I, I I I couldn't give it a score anywhere close to what the other two movies were. I was interested enough in it to where I was going to be committed enough to sit down and watch the whole movie. Um, I, you know, it kind of cut me off right at the climax, like right when shit was starting to happen that's when i had to stop watching it yeah so like next you bet your sweet ass next time i go out to the store i'm gonna pick up a copy of it (laughs) well we'll hold on to it for the next stephen king episode we do and we'll we'll revisit my evaluation yeah (laughs) yeah i'd be very interested to see if you get a chance to to check it out the rest of the way all right that's gonna wrap it up for our first stephen king special we want to thank you guys for listening you can check us out on instagram or facebook at horror haven podcast tune in next week while we cover the vhs films vhs vhs 2 and vhs viral Ooh, i'm excited for this one i fucking love vhs i feel like we're gonna have a lot to talk about too because we can really go into like each short oh yeah yeah i'm gonna get deep in this one <laughs> But uh, thanks, you guys, for listening, and have a good night. Good night. Peace.